0: out we're also a large part to take a time out. Welcome to episode 43 of Out of Time Outs. We are here once again with plenty to talk about in the fall sports season as football is well underway, district play is getting underway for the most part amongst or this Friday. A Couple teams have already seen some district opponents cross state, but for the most part everybody is starting district play. We got some volleyball talk about athletes of the week. We're going to run through our picks for the news advertiser's college football pick 'em that is in every Tuesday's paper. There are 11 games there. We'll talk about who we think is going to win and why, assuming we've actually seen some of these teams play, which we definitely haven't. But such is life sometimes. And then a wrestling minute for Caleb. And, yeah, all right, Caleb, let's start with Creston OM Football. They are coming off a 21-13 loss to Bondurant Farrar this week. Homecoming. Against Lewis Central. Uh, Just the best team in the state. Yeah, that's a tough one for homecoming. A real tough one for, for homecoming.
1: I mean, I mean, yeah. When you've got a uh, TCU quarterback commit as uh, your guy who's uh, handling the snaps and an offense that's typically scoring in that 50 to 60 points range every game, um, they're going to find way to score points. Um, interested to see how Creston's going to look to combat things with maybe mixed uh, coverages in the secondary and throw in some... Maybe some different blitz packages and stunts from the defensive line at Lewis Central. However, I imagine they're pretty well equipped to handle a lot of that. So, it'll be very interesting to see how they head into this week going up against the state's best.
0: Yeah, that's uh, a tough way to start district play as well. And a team that is really just looking for a win at this point. um, After coming off back-to-back losses to Bonner and Farrar and Carlisle. If we're
1: looking at mutual opponents, um, there's only one between these two teams, uh, Louis Central owns a forty-two-seven victory over Carlisle, uh, Creston. That was the game that Carter saw. That was thirty-six to seven. Yeah. So we know that as far as mutual opponents goes, Lewis Central was equipped to kind of spread out the ball against a team like Carlisle, whereas Carlisle wanted to be more physical at the point of attack and go right at a defense. So we'll see if uh, Creston's, um, you know, kind of more three-four oriented defense that relies on a lot on its uh, skilled players and linebackers to get out in space and make plays out in open open space. Uh, if they're going to be able to do that and limit the big plays.
0: I know they've talked a lot about before each game establishing the run game. Is that even, you know, obviously the coach wants to do that, but at this point is it just trying to get points on the board any way you can?
1: Yeah, and they have to, I mean, it's the Crescent offen- uh, rushing offense has shown glimpses of being good and been inconsistent at times, so they have to imagine they really want to establish it at some point, but you know they're going to take their shot at the shots at some home runs. This is not the game where you're you're holding back and just, like, maybe keeping stuff to yourself. So, well, I'm sure we'll see some. Um, I'll be covering the game Friday. I'll, we'll see some interesting things this upcoming week.
0: Well, uh, speaking of a team that has not had any rushing struggles, let's talk about Clark, uh, the Clark Indians that are now 2-2 two and two after a tough loss to Mount Air on Friday, a 16-14 loss in which uh, they held the lead going into that final minute and a half, but Mount Air drove down the field. And it put up points to take that one. They, uh, I believe, they're somewhere. In the, they're in the top ten in two, Class Two A in rushing yards, and really, that's I mean, that's the identity of their offenses, as we've talked about. They are also in a homecoming week against Seydell, a Saydel team that's 0 and four and hasn't scored more than 13 points a game this season. I'll be there, but Caleb, I mean, is this just a, a Seydell team that's going to get the full the full dose of what the Clark's running offense is going to look like?
1: Um, we'll see. I mean. We know that uh, Clark's a little banged up, like they were not as bad as they were last year at this time. But uh, Peyton Winship sustained an injury last week during the game, during the fourth quarter. Um, after that, Clark went from trailing to actually grabbing the lead after some uh, some timely offensive play calling and reverse on fourth down late in the game that helped them grab the lead. They just uh, couldn't slow down Mounter on its last drive. They did, picked a big kickoff return from Colvin Clomhouse and was able to get find the way into the end zone with under a minute remaining and big win for Mount Air in that one, but for Clark, again, they were able to reestablish the run after kind of an off week against Red Oak Uh, this past week. Clark ran for about 220 offensive, uh, or just for rushing yards alone. Um, No passing, um, really attack still for Clark, but it's not their identity, and we'll see if against the Seidel team, like we said, not not a whole lot of success for them at all this year. They're coming off a big, uh, non-competitive loss against Interstate 35, who's... Uh, shout out to them. They're the number one ranked team in the RPI rankings that the um, association puts out. Um, we'll get a better idea of how good I-35 is here in the next few weeks, but for now, they're ranked up there. They say they coming off that loss, so we'll see if Clark's able to find that type of similar offensive success and exceed that and maybe have numbers that replicate their first two offensive games as far as rushing yards.
0: Elsewhere in the area, you saw Lennox and East Union last week. Lennox put up 41 unanswered points to take that one. 57 to 20 was the final score yeah. there and that moves Lennox to 3 and 1. You know, what did you see from them and speaking of another team with a vaunted rushing attack that uh that they that they have been able to do so well early on the season.
1: Yeah, and Lennox is it's their identity, it's been their identity for years. They're going to run the football. Um, right now they just do a lot of simple stuff, a lot of dives, a lot of uh, just kind of misdirection and stuff and they don't It's not nothing very complicated, but after a er- couple of early touchdowns from both teams, Lennox just pounced on a few vulnerabilities from East Union injury-wise and uh, what they were able to kind of get a push up front. And so Colton Gordon was kind of just like one of the man-child up front running through arm tackles and whatnot, and they were able to put together most of their 330 yards on the ground. And um, another week where Lennox is showing they're going to be one of the better teams in that district and be more excited when they have the uh, the likelihood of facing a team like Southeast Warren. Um, That'll be in a few weeks. I'm not sure how many. But either way, Lennox will be uh, one of those teams you're looking to see just how good they can be. East Union's just trying to bounce back, and they have to go up against Southeast Warren, one of the best passing teams in the state. Carter, uh, as far as our team with the longest area's winning streak in the regular season, Mount Air's running up to 5th or I'm sorry, Southwest Valley has now run their regular season winning streak up to 15 games. Um... You've seen them. You haven't seen them this year, right? Have not
0: seen I haven't seen I haven't them since week one of last that's year. That's
1: true. But you saw a lot of run in the ball. They uh, The identity is not too dissimilar.
0: No, it's not. And they uh, the games are just a little closer so yeah. far to start this year. Uh, last year, they, they walloped Red Oak to open the season this year. Close game against uh, Red Oak. And then three other close games against Central Decatur, West Central Valley, and Clorinda being the most recent at, in Clorinda. And uh, it's been... It's been a mismatch of guys. You know, you've seen Aiden Gall get the ball. Obviously, Dustin Lund as their quarterback uh, is capable of running. He had three touchdowns last week against Clarinda. Blaine Venthiker had 74 yards rushing. So we've got a bunch of different guys that can do it. The defense as well has stepped up big time. You know, uh, also a little banged up there. I, I don't know exactly the status of a couple guys that were, were missing as of uh, a couple weeks ago. But a team, you know, that just keeps finding ways to win, and that's Kind of what it's all about. They're going to get Nottoway Valley this week, and then of course they have they travel to Council Bluffs to take on Saint Albert the Saint. I did say that right. Take on Saint Albert the week afterwards in a, a showdown of. I mean, you got to imagine there's a little bit of revenge they want oh, there. Oh yeah.
1: Um, and you have and as long as a team like Southwest Valley is creating turnovers, they've created 15 turnovers in four games this season. As long as they continue to do that, uh, there's going to be teams they're going to even teams that are going to be better in Southwest Valley. Uh, the Timberwolves are going to be in a good position to win games as long as they're continuing to do that.
0: Yeah, and they've only given up 20 points once so far this season, which is exactly the recipe you want if, you know, they did throw two picks against Clorinda, but if you're forcing four turnovers for every two you make, that's you're obviously coming out on the the right side of that, and uh, they've managed to score over 20 points every game so far this season, so that's, I mean, it's a winning winning recipe right there. As far as uh,
1: other area teams, um, we've got Murray, um, dropped a couple close ga- or a couple games the last couple weeks. Um, some injuries have kind of hampered them a little bit. Um, be looking to see if they can jump out on the winning side here in the coming weeks. Um, Interstate 35 continues to be undefeated. Uh, talked about them a second ago being number one in the RPI rankings. And uh, Mason Castier went over the 3,000 career rushing yards mark. So congratulations to him. Good all-around athlete there.
0: And Central Decatur, I think it's a team that's just kind of trying to figure it out. They seem to get closer and closer yeah. to a win every week and just can't quite get on the, the right side of the scoreboard.
1: I mean, what, they're probably losing by an average of, like, five, six points a game at this point. I mean, I might be underselling it a bit or overselling it a bit, but, I mean, a nine-point loss to Panorama, um, a one-score loss to Mount Air.
0: A nine-point loss to uh, okay. Southwest Valley. yeah, so, And an eight-point loss to Mount Air. Oh, you said that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's just all mostly close games thus far. And they even had the late lead against I-35 a team that's obviously been very good this season. So, I mean, CD's in that place where they're just looking for just like one win. We want to feel good about ourselves more one week, and they're still putting up a lot of good stats. So I'm sure they're going to be in a position to grab a win at some point soon.
0: Nottaway Valley, I was in Greenfield last week for their game against West Central Valley. Dropped that one 62-12. West Central Valley just came out and uh, took advantage of the Wolverine mistakes very early on. and uh, I mean, it was 28 nothing by the end of the with four minutes left in the first quarter, and you could tell that that gut punch had been was a little too much for Nottoway Valley, and uh, kind of sucked the life out of them early on. They did do they did have some some good some good offensive possessions, uh, two drives that ended in touchdowns, both of which were passing touchdowns, um, and one of which was a very nice throw from Tyler Vanderwater on fourth and twenty, no less, uh, to John Gibby, who ran a wheel route down the sidelines, spiral ball that landed just right in his breadbasket over his shoulder. was It was pretty. It was very pretty to watch. I wish I would have had my camera up because it would have been a great picture. Jeez, it's just timing. It <laughs> always seems to happen that way. But they are 0 4 and will continue to look for a win as the season progresses. On to volleyball, where the Creston Panthers were 7 and 3 going into a weekend tournament. It's the Red Oak Tournament in Glenwood, which, <laughs> if somebody else wants to explain to me how that works, I will uh, gladly hear you out because I don't quite get that. Uh, dropped all six of those matches. There, and then uh, followed that up by playing the number one team in Class 3A Mm -hmm. and Kemper Catholic, losing that one in straight sets. It's a Panther team that's just dealing with some injuries right now and just trying to get healthy. A couple shoulder injuries for their uh, better hitters, and then obviously they're missing some more height due to illness, and it's just a team that's, you know, they're tall, but, you know, if you're you're missing most of your height, it's hard to contend with some of these big-time Hawkeye 10 schools that just pound the ball.
1: And they're missing height, and they're missing... um to miss any players against the likes of which the teams they ran into at Glenwood the other day. Um, you've got Red Oak, who's one of the best teams in the state on the attack as far as getting kills. Um, Tri-Center's one of the best teams in the state their state ranks. Harlan's good every year. That almost never changes. Abraham Lincoln's been a very good volleyball team. this year. trainer's always good, even though it's always small. So they ran into all these teams. And then after that, how do they get rewarded? Oh, by the <laughs> way, you get to drive up to Carroll and face the number one team in the state, who's coming off a recent loss, so they're probably mad.
0: Yeah, and welcome to a Hawkeye 10 conference play, which is now everything they have for the rest of the season. Yeah,
1: and they still have a couple winnable matches coming up, but, I mean, um, they've got I mean, to they hope that, one, after some, some rest, that some of those kids come back ready to go, and, two, that, you know, the play just starts getting, I mean, they just have to be better. There's not really a way around that.
0: Yeah, uh, co-head coach Mallory Peterson talked about some of the, the moral victories they can take away from uh, the game against Kemper. They got some younger players in who got to see the floor. Not only got to see the floor, but got to see some of the, the best talent they're going to face I'm sure a little wide-eyed and some uh-huh. senses there. Um, probably some of the, the hardest balls they'd have to dig up off the floor, um, this season, but, uh, it's a team that, you know, is going to have to have some of those younger players step up, especially if, you know, if health continues to be an issue and, uh, we'll see what they look like. Like we've talked about already. Uh, they get a week off today being Wednesday when this is recorded, they're off until Tuesday of next week. So they do have some time to, to heal up there and, uh, We'll see what they look like moving forward and see how healthy they can stay going into the uh, the main stretch of their schedule.
1: And when they get to that point, the season's basically most of the way over. Yeah, it's, it's funny so how weird. that works.
0: Southwest Valley uh, has only dropped two sets in their last ten days. Uh, granted, those are all teams that they should have beaten after I went and looked at the, <laughs> the schedule, teams that have uh, struggled so far. But taking care of business over there, once again, the, as we talked about two weeks ago, the Pride of Iowa doesn't seem to have changed much. Still very topsy-turvy. Teams uh, still beating up on each other and uh, fighting for that top spot. Obviously, Southeast Warren probably looks like, at least record-wise, uh, I have not seen them at all. They look good. Yeah. They look good. And, and they don't uh, even
1: have their best player. Player um, Steenhook has been one of the better athletes in this part of the state for um, four years. Has been uh, has been injured with another ACL, um, re- or re-injured her knee. I believe it was an ACL injury. Um, so for them to continue to do what they're doing is mighty impressive.
0: And then you've got Central Decatur sitting with an eight and four record, Mount Air at ten and six, Southwest Valley like to talked about eight and five, East Union eleven and seven, and Nottoway Valley nine and eight. I mean, we've got it's... all sorts of area teams just littered right there from two through what five or six.
1: Yeah, and, and in the years past, Mount Air has been like maybe close to being the undisputed best team in the conference. That's not the case this year. Mount Air's still good, but. Um, Southeast Warren's been one the team that seems to stick out but East Union's beaten Mount Air East Union's beaten CD Southwest Valley's beaten CD CD's beaten some of those other teams like CD beat Mount Air Um, so just like almost every other sport in the Pride of Iowa right now they're knocking each other off at the top and trying to see who can grab that top of supremacy and nobody's Southeast Warren is the only team that stands close to being that top team
0: and uh same case with Pride of Iowa. That that conference schedule is now pretty much in full swing as teams get out of some of these weekend tournaments against opponents elsewhere in the state. And uh, we will continue to see what that conference looks like, but I imagine the topsy-turvy nature of it will not change much. You no,
1: know, and as far as our other teams outside of that, um, Murray is still, you know, they're still... It's like they're early in the season. It's such a weird phenomenon because they scheduled the season so late. Some teams have been playing for a full month. Murray's been playing for two weeks. And... They continue to kind of have success doing the simple things, uh, serving, um, be, staying off on the offensive side of thing, and um, not making simple mistakes. And so that's why they've had some success. Um, Orient Maxburg is still looking for its first win right now. Um, they uh, had it, at the start of the year they had seven players, and now they're up to I think it was ten last time I checked. So they're able to field full full practices. Um, another one's i thirty five finally got its first win on the tenth against Martinsdale, um, and elsewhere uh, Clark you saw Clark the other night against Albia they a lot of times they get ahead in these sets and then just have a struggle closing it out down the uh, down the stretch right
0: yeah it was a nice it was good it was good to see that after that first set in which they fell behind like 11 to 2 to start and really and I think dropped at 25-10 see him come out in the second set and you know still look like a team with some fight in them. I know, I'm sure dropping a first set that lopsided can be pretty demoralizing but then they had a 17-6 lead there in the second set and Lost 19 of 21 points and then led again in the third set 16 13 or 17 13 and end up dropping that one 25 22. So a Clark team that's definitely shown some flashes that they can hang with the team, a team like the likes of Albia that you know is now 11 and eight and with a winning record and uh, showing that they can they can play. It's just like you said, closing out those sets and you know kind of finding some some leadership on the floor and not letting one bad point kind of spiral mm-hmm. into six or seven bad points in a row.
1: Yeah, and so I mean they they just come off that that victory over Meskwaki, where um, you've got, once they actually feel, you know, they get things going in the right direction, someone like a Dez Stuby goes for, I think it was four, yeah 14 kills, 24 digs, Mashal um, Nowhere had 18 digs in that match, they had uh, 5 different girls who had at least 9 digs, and so a lot of kids were getting in on it defensively, a lot of girls were getting in on the attack, Kaya Dunbar had a season high, uh, 9 kills, so um, one thing that I think that you still have to see from them is that... You've got to see kids more engaged all the time, and not just in glimpses. And then, two, their serving just has to be better because they've uh, serving has been a point of emphasis for them the last two years, and they're still hovering around the 75 percent mark. And a lot of the area teams are at 92, 93 percent, so that just has to get better.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, shout out to Ashlyn Oler, who went on a streak of oh gosh, it was like seven aces and eight serving <laughs> points uh, to put them up 17-6 against Albia in that second set, and then uh, Albia responded with a, a nice ace streak of their yeah. own. But something that, you know, it, once again, has shown flashes, and uh, I know their coach has put it put it kind of on them to figure out, you know, what what they need to do moving forward and uh, to pick up a W there. Elsewhere, uh, Lennox in the Prada-Iowas l- dropped a couple of consecutive matches there. They do have a contest against south page on thursday that's a very winnable contest south page is kind of in the same book book as murray where they just haven't had a whole lot of uh matches so far this season but they only have one win over diagonal here early on into cross country caleb you most recently saw the most recent cross country meet i mean yeah, there haven't been, been like many three. so <laughs> and that one was here a local in creston you saw a lot of people a lot of different teams there oh, yes. Overall, you know, who do you think uh, showed you the most most bright spots?
1: Um, so there's a couple of spots that stand out. Um, last couple of years, Brielle Baker's been toward the top of the field on this this home race, and this year she improved her time like 45 seconds from last year, and still finished um still finished the in third place overall. And Braylon Baker, who the sisters have been kind of bouncing back and forth with one another. Um, this time it was Brielle who came back out on top, um, beat her sister by about uh, I believe it was about. 20 something seconds, so it's in that range at least. And then, um, so we've seen stuff like that. Um, Nodaway Valley's Joshua Baller has now won two of the three races he's run this year. And in an Ideal World, they've run, they've run five um, events, but they're not there yet. Um, so we're not sure how much, I'm not sure how much they're able to improve. Um, they have seen Madrid at a, a race this year already, the Nodaway Valley Boys and that's the number one team that's going to stand in their way of a fourth straight Class 1A state championship, and Madrid took care of business in that race at Panorama. They left no doubt about who's the better team that day. It wasn't even close. So for Nottaway Valley, to get back to that point, a lot of the guys in the back of that pack are going to have to keep moving up, and that is one of the things I saw at Creston was some of those guys who were like the fourth runner and the fifth runner and sixth runner improved their times and passed kids that they were losing to in races prior, so we saw that. Um, Joshua Bodler beat a field that included um, teams, kids from 25 different schools, um, plus schools that didn't field complete teams. And then, um, yeah, and then outside of that, the Nottoway Valley girls had the top two places in the Class B, the smaller class portion. Reagan Weinheimer and Sophia Browers and that. So um, some good area kids. You saw Mount, Michaela Jones from Mount Air, Gabrielle Valencia from East Union, McKenna Hogan and Cassie Nelson from Lennox are a couple that stuck out as well. Um, other than that, Southwest Valley has some kids that kind of hang in the middle towards, like, kind of push the front of the pack on the girls' side. So interested in seeing how some of those younger runners kind of finish off this year. So other than that, um, just kind of still looking to see who's going to emerge um, as far as our area cross-country kids
0: go. Speaking of area cross-country, we had a couple of those play athletes win Athletes of the Week that...
1: They did the running and they yeah. won Athletes of the Week. Yeah,
0: that, that <laughs> thing. That, that, there's a transition. Caleb, let's talk about that real quickly.
1: Okay. Um, so... Jared Moreland, for one, um, so sometimes we don't always pick the kids who just have the best stats as far as overall, like, oh, did they win a race? Um, we were seeking nominations and realized that, like, Jared Morland had improved his uh, time from his best PR last year by, like, two minutes in his first race. I think it was race. from,
0: yeah, from the first race of the last year, yeah. the first race of this year.
1: And so his times across the board have been way better. So he was our Week 2 Player of the Week, or Cross-Country Athlete of the Week, and so and it was kind of On the boy side On the boy side, yeah For Creston And then you saw Abby Garing, The freshman mm-hmm. from the I-35 She like broke a school record Like in one of her first races Yeah
0: right. And believe it was The first race of I-35 season There in Menlo And uh, you know Not quite with the, the top five But right there All by herself in sixth And uh, looked pretty impressive And I think You know Obviously Probably didn't surprise Anybody from I-35 But surprised the rest of the mm-hmm. field Who maybe didn't know uh, Quite what she was capable of As a freshman And now they definitely do uh, so a pretty solid performance from her, from Menlo. Elsewhere, uh, on for Week 2, Eli Loudon won it for the Creston football team with a nice performance against Atlantic. Uh, Caleb, you have those stats pulled up. I'm putting you on the spot. You may or may not have those stats pulled up, but fire away with those. Yeah, Week 2, uh,
1: Eli Loudon was uh, perfect in passing. He was 10-10 for 141 yards, through a touchdown. He ran for three touchdowns, even though he only... Only 64 rushing yards on the ground. That was the game where Creston had his best rushing performance of the season. and Loudon's put up some good points since, but that was one of those ones where it was kind of an easy pick to put him up for Player of the Week, and he ended up winning it.
0: Our final winner of Athlete of the Week for Week 2 was Emma Atwood of Central Decatur Volleyball. As we kind of discussed in the newsroom, I feel like there's always a pretty good shot. She's capable of getting (laughs) nominated week in and week out for volleyball, but she got it that week central decatur folk know how to win win a vote that's for sure (laughs) and uh, another reminder that you can also vote online there are usually links on top of that we include them links in the twitter poll uh it seems we have noticed a trend of which schools get to which schools win based off of voting online it seems to be the same same few schools so everybody keep in mind that you can vote in two different places uh to get your kids an award for athlete of the week on week three, yeah, yeah. Caleb, who were our winners there? Uh, cross country, we that was the week where
1: everything got rained out, and so our only event that week was Central Decatur's home meet. Um, a couple diagonal runners ran, and then CD had a couple kids kind of lead the pack. Uh, Lauren Saxton was a top ten runner at the on the girls portion of the home re, meet for South or for Central Decatur, so she was honored. Brody Patterson, uh, we picked both Laura or Lauren and Brody Patterson. He was a top ten finisher as well at the CD home meet, and then. Um, so those were just our selected picks. And then the ones as far as they were voted on, Joshua Hardy of East Union, had a big game, 121 rushing yards and a couple scores um, against Mormon Trail. And then Maddie Stewart, another one of those kids who she didn't have the best stats of the week, but she was nominated because she's a freshman libero who had factored in on serving. And as far as being a da- like being a libero as a freshman and for a good program is uh, kind of atypical. And you're kind of ex- a lot of responsibility in that spot to get the ball to your more um, – Season players who can put the ball where they need, where it needs to be on the floor and system. And so um, she was honored for that Voted Player Athlete of the Week on the volleyball side of things.
0: Time for our office pick 'em. Anybody is welcome to participate in this. They are in every Tuesday's news advertiser during the college football season. This week is week four. You can bring those into the news advertiser office or mail them by 4.30 p.m. Friday, and you could win a $25 shopping spree. Cool. All right, there's your plug. Um <laughs> 11 games this week. We only have one copy, so I'll be reading them off to Caleb, and then oh, we'll both geez. talk about it. Let's start Let's with... Let's start
1: by saying that I've been bad. Yes, he's
0: usually bad at them.
1: Though. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I've been really bad, by the way.
0: Uh, I believe I'm one point off the top spot, but I believe a lot of other people are also jammed into that... that uh, top area so it's always a lot Miami of a lot of room for separation there granted we're only three weeks in and a lot of games have been canceled yeah so not a whole lot of room to separate in uh in the first place all right nebraska at michigan caleb i don't think this one's that difficult of a pick
1: oh no i'm picking michigan That's yeah not even, i don't have to yeah. think about that yeah yeah <laughs> did you see nebraska the way they looked against Troy yeah it was
0: bad yeah it was bad. It, was. it was. okay uh yeah and it's in michigan uh, okay, moving on. Akron at Iowa State. Do does your Maxion bias hold any uh, chance that Akron pulls out a win? See,
1: you would. I would think that if uh, hmm. logically, no. <laughs> <laughs> Akron is coming off a win over Northwestern. If
0: you want to know why Caleb doesn't do well in these pickums, it's you're about to hear the thought process of him slowly convince himself that Akron has uh, a chance. I'm not picking Akron <laughs> to win.
1: Um, basically. Akron's coming off a win over Northwestern. Um, I think if there's any big power program that has a chance to lose to a mid-level MAC school, it's probably Northwestern. <laughs> because, you know, RPO is the f- purest form of communism. According, according to their to coach. Pat Fitzgerald. Um, so I hope teams RPO uh, <laughs> Northwestern to death this year. Yeah, and, me too. Um, Gosh. And so, no, I think Iowa State, this could have been one of those games where they, sc- they slept on Akron a little bit, but I don't expect that now. Um, and mostly because they that first game didn't get canceled, so there's, I think I have to imagine they're still a little bit hungry to get out there and you know keep get, proving that they should be winning games. They haven't won a game yet, even though they should have won that first game that they didn't play.
0: Yeah, I uh, I think if they would have sleptwalked through the Oklahoma game, I'd be more inclined to pick Akron since uh yeah, well they hadn't played a, a week one game, but no, I don't think Akron has a chance. They're not playing in Akron, which wouldn't help Akron whatsoever, anyways. Uh, I got Iowa State in that one.
1: I think David Montgomery breaks fifty tackles in that game.
0: Wow, that's a lot. You're right, seventy five. <laughs> <laughs> Hampton at Northern Iowa. Caleb, does uh, Hampton stand any chance? I don't know anything about Hampton.
1: I also don't know anything about Hampton. and uh, Northern Iowa' still a good team. so uh, coming off that spanking from Iowa, let's go ahead and say that you uh, and I gets the win.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, most of the teams that are good enough to hang with Northern Iowa, I've at least heard of before or not heard of. I've heard of Hampton, but know something about. If I don't know anything about Hampton, I'm not not going to pick Hampton. I and mean, why do you research? That's that's
1: That's just overrated. asking so much. All
0: right, Florida at Tennessee. You want to talk about two SEC teams looking to prove, I don't know, something. Uh, neither of them have a good win yet. <laughs> uh, they both have uh, a loss, pretty sure a bad loss at that. Um, granted, Tennessee's was to West Virginia, which is a good team. Caleb, who you got there? By the way, it is in Knoxville.
1: It is in Knoxville, which is why I have Tennessee. Um, Florida, I never feel comfortable in, confident in my Tennessee or Florida picks unless I'm making fun of Tennessee usually. So you would think, by that weird logic, I would go against Tennessee. I refuse to go against that. Tennessee needs to get an SEC win to prove they're not absolutely terrible. Let's go Vols.
0: I uh, am never inclined to pick Tennessee, but I'm even less inclined to ever pick Florida. <laughs> so that will be my reasoning there. Tennessee, it is. Stanford at Oregon. This should be a good one. Mm. Big thing for Stanford. Bryce Love coming back from an injury. They expect him. From what I've read, they expect him to have a pretty solid performance. Stanford's defense only allowing seven points a game.
1: You Oregon scoring Bryce fifty. Love to have a spectacular performance every time he touches the football.
0: There's a reason why he's the favorite <laughs> for the Heisman. One of. Uh,
1: but Oregon is in that pos- weird position, I think, as well, where um, teams aren't really sure what their upside is. Like they struggled a lot for a few, for a little bit against Bowling Green, and then proceeded to put it on him. Um, they struggled last week against San Jose State, only won by thirteen. Um, while this game isn't Eugene, but uh, I, th- I think Stanford wins in like a low-scoring game.
0: I think Stanford wins as well. I'd say something along the lines of like thirty-one twenty, somewhere around there. I think Stanford's defense is pretty good, and um, I think maybe it's enough of a wake-up call that the Pac-12 North turns into a little like love triangle of sorts, where <laughs> Stanford beats Oregon, Oregon beats Washington, Washington beats Stanford, and nobody really separates. Themselves from anybody. The South
1: is terrible.
0: <laughs> so, even though USC
1: was supposed to be like the undisputed best team in the South, and now yeah, and then they got walloped by Texas. Yeah, that's not even. That's very uncertain.
0: No. So, I am going with Stanford as well. As, so far, a lot of different differentiation between our picks. I don't even know if that's a word. Anyways, TCU <laughs> at Texas for the sixth game. Who you got there?
1: Uh, I got to go with uh, the Horn Frogs. Um, wanting to avenge that loss. I mean, it's not an avenge. Uh, wanting to come back from a loss against Ohio State. Uh, losing in Texas to a team from out of state has got to be a little bit of a, a lot of light of fire underneath you, I would think. Um, so it was weird because I wanted to pick Texas last week against USC, and Carter convinced me otherwise. Uh, well,
0: y- I don't know if anybody picked Texas to win that game.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody should pick <laughs> Texas. <laughs> okay. My logic was, pe- you shouldn't pick Texas, which is why I'm thinking of picking Texas, and I proceeded to pick USC anyway. Shame on Caleb. Okay, so that being said, I'm going with the TCO. Yeah, uh,
0: this is... I know you're probably looking for some difference in our picks, but I'm not picking Texas. (sighs) Texas would have to win a lot of games in a row for me to start wanting to pick (laughs) Texas. So that's that. Minnesota at Maryland. Two teams kind of looking for a foothold.
1: Ugh. That sounds (laughs) like an ugly game. Um, I'm in the ballpark of Maryland just because um, while neither of those teams uh, are super impressive, Maryland does have that win where they've shown they can go out and play a mostly complete football game. Minnesota, even in the P.J. Fleck era, has done nothing to impress me so far whatsoever. There's nothing explosive about that offense, and um, I still think it's just just not a pretty game, and Maryland just comes out on top.
0: I'm going to use your exact same logic, but for the opposite reason. The (laughs) fact that Minnesota hasn't done anything pretty, now's the time to do it, and why... Not better than in Maryland to show all those Maryland fans why they are going to go 6-6. Six and six. <laughs> All right. I, I think Minnesota's going to win there, and now we've got the game where all sorts of bias will play in. Uh, Ohio at Cincinnati. The Ohio Bobcats at Cincinnati. Caleb. Ohio has not looked very good this year. Their
1: defense does not look good, and that was the number one thing that talking with my buddies who follow the Mid-American Conference was... With After losing explosive players like Quentin Poling and losing some of those backers and defensive ends who were able to create some havoc in the backfield, can they do anything this year to limit big plays and uh, limit the big gains on first down? And So far, Ohio has not done a very good job of that. Virginia, which didn't have necessarily a super explosive offense, but had some very good athletes, managed to make Ohio look really silly. Yeah, they put
0: up 45 points.
1: I mean, they scored a lot of points early. It, it wasn't fun. To and watch, then
0: Howard put up thirty-eight, so the defense has given up about like forty-ish points. A but game. it was
1: Cam Newton's brother, whose name I don't even know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which says enough
0: in and of itself. So
1: yeah, it's uh, the defense has been very frustrating. Um, I can see this also being like kind of an ugly game, but we'll see.
0: I you, I still pick Cincy. Do you know anything about Cincy's offense? Hopefully, no. Hopefully they're slow. <laughs> I really want to pick Ohio and. The maybe Cincinnati will give Ohio some reason to be optimistic moving forward. I really don't want to pick against Ohio. So I'm not going to do it. I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to pick Ohio. I said there was going to be bias in this pick. I admit it now. There is bias in this pick. Uh, for those of you unaware, we both went to college there. So
1: yeah,
0: go Bobcats. All right, Arizona at Oregon State. I'm not picking Oregon State. Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> I don't want to pick either of those teams. I'm picking Arizona. Can I call to Washington? Hey, at least you can get recruits to Arizona. Have you ever tried? Have you ever been to Corvallis, Oregon? Uh, no, but you tell me all the time about how ugly it is. I've never been. I couldn't actually tell you how. Oh, ugly Oh, you're, you're it talking is. about Pullman. They're the Let's worst. Just
1: crap on the pack 12 They're
0: the. W- they're, I don't. How do you recruit anybody to Corvallis, Washington? <laughs> the 11 other schools are all in great spots. I don't know.
1: Let's ask our former coworker Stephanie. We'll see if we get out on the line. She's been to Corvallis.
0: Maybe you don't know that she told me she's been there. Oh well, now you do know that. Okay, <laughs> I'm still not picking Oregon State. <laughs> okay, um, it's in Corvallis. I'll, if it makes I'll, a I'll pick the Beavers. Screw it, I'll go with them. <laughs> I got Beavers, baby. Wisconsin at Iowa. I will be in attendance for this. I will get to do the wave. That's what I'm most excited about. Uh, Wisconsin's not a top ten team though, so can Iowa beat them? At no. Home? <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the only way Iowa can compete is if they play a very good team at home on a night game. So, no.
0: I think it's Wisconsin looking to bounce back after... I mean, BYU's good, but it wasn't really a close game. It, it,
1: it was right. close. No, it was. It was just...
0: it then wasn't. It, wasn't.
1: <laughs> it was a close game. It was 24-21. Um, I don't understand how Wisconsin doesn't push a team like BYU, BYU around a little bit more. Like They've got like five guys who are like 6'4 and 330 pounds up front with a Heisman-capable running back, and they're like oh, you know, we can't consistently move the ball. Like, how? Like, is it the play calling? Is it, like, a lack of motivation? But because of that, I hope I would hope in their case, if I was their coach, they have a fire lit under their butts and they come out and they move the ball against Iowa. But Iowa's defense has been really good. So how do I rationalize this? I don't think I can. I'm picking Wisconsin, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh... I really w- wish that Wisconsin was coming in undefeated at this point. I think this would have made this game so much more exciting, uh, mostly for my own selfish reasons. Because you're going to be there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm with you. I think it will be a Wisconsin team that's not going to get pushed around against Iowa, knowing now that everybody's full, fully aware that Iowa is capable of beating anybody at home, especially on a Saturday night game. Ha, 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 Ohio State. Which. Um yeah, so I think Wisconsin wins. I think it's a good game. I do think it's a good game, but I think Wisconsin wins. Last but not least, Kansas at Baylor. Caleb, do you have faith in Kansas putting together three wins in a row? You're darn right I do. Freaking Jayhawks, go. Kansas, baby. Uh, I don't. Well, of course not. You shouldn't, but don't. I'm going anyway. <laughs> but guess what? I'm not going to pick Baylor because they shouldn't have a football program. So let's <laughs> go, Jayhawks.
1: <laughs> let's just disband the NCAA. I mean, yeah. you to start there. Yeah, but
0: there. that's too broad <laughs> a paintbrush for this. We can get rid of Baylor first, and then we can go from okay. there. Okay. So yeah, uh, Kansas looking for their third one in a row. Duke beat Baylor last week, yeah. but Baylor has wins over Abilene Christian and Texas San Antonio. So Woo! and they're at home. They were at home last week and they lost to Duke. All right. Yeah, uh, I'm picking Kansas as well. <laughs> Caleb, we are well over our 30-minute mark at this point, but I'm still going to give you your wrestling minute since it's been a while. You have exactly one minute, and your time starts now.
1: Okay, well, uh, so a big thing about Hell in the Cell was uh, that WWE's uh, formula for ending a pay-per-view now is how can we have the biggest shock of the night and make everybody talk about it and just, like, leave a storyline in limbo?
0: And then fade to black before anybody can boo you? Yes, yes. Okay.
1: That is exactly (laughs) where they have gone with this, and so the most recent iteration of that was... Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns in the cell for the championship. All of a sudden Brock Lesnar's music comes on after like a 20-minute slugfest. And everybody's just like, what the heck just happened? And, you know, uh, Brock Lesnar beats the crap out of it. It has no resolution. And they carry the storyline on so that 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 match can happen in another pay-per-view. The only other big thing I wanted to shout out from that pay-per-view, Becky Lynch, new SmackDown Women's Champion. I am one of the biggest Becky Lynch marks. So it was just a surprise little roll-up finish that wasn't super definitive so it leaves doubt in the storyline but i was stoked you can vouch i yelled very loudly yes
0: you did (laughs) quite loud thank you ah you beat a minute i thought you were still gonna keep going all right well that's gonna do it for episode 43 thanks for listening uh hopefully you get all your college picks wrong so i get them all right but if you're like us you're probably gonna have a lot of the similar picks in that sense And I didn't write any of those down, so mine may actually change from what I just said on the podcast. But that's neither here nor there. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. Deuces.